Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I, we get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. Hey, it's going to be your church and your turn up. So listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. Welcome to Golf Betting On Demand. I'm your host, Rick Gaiman. And for this week, with no PGA Tour or golfing events on the horizon, I want to go back to basics. I want to discuss through and refresh all of the different betting options that are available in the world of golf because they are changing and updating uh, what seems to be very, very rapidly. So I want to talk you through not only the different options that are available, but dive a little bit deeper into some of the strategies, where your money might be best spent, and where you should probably be avoiding any potential situations. So obviously, golf is not like every other sport. It is uh, about as volatile as it comes. You know, one round of golf or one tournament of golf is actually very similar to a, a baseball game. The best baseball players in the world, Mike Trout specifically, can go 0 for 4 on any given night. Now, over the course of the season, he's going to be awesome. He's probably going to be an MVP candidate. But in these small samples of one game, he can go 0 for 4 and he can look like the worst player on the planet. It's similar in golf. Uh, The best players in the world for even one round or one tournament or a few weeks in a row can struggle. And over the course of the entire season, over the course of the entire year, they're going to come out on top. They're going to win a handful of times. They're going to make plenty of money. They're going to be cashing top five checks left and right. But week in and week out, it's very volatile. And I think once you realize that embracing the volatility uh, is a good thing in golf betting, that it will open up a lot of different options for you. Um, In the same way that Rory McIlroy, the best player on the planet, can miss a cut or finish in a tie for 50th, someone who's ranked 200th in the world and 250 to 1 to win the golf tournament can jump up and win any given week. It is volatile in both directions on the PGA Tour and in the world of golf. When you start throwing weather into the mix and and, and everything else, it it can become uh, quite a show. So let's talk through some of these options. Now, what we generally talk about on golf betting on demand and what a lot of content and discussions around the world of golf are is generally outright betting. That is betting who is going to win the golf tournament. What are their odds to win? How much are you going to get back if they actually do win? And that is basically how, you know, when you're looking at a field, here are the golfers that are eight to one, 10 to one. 15 to 1, 25 to 1. Uh, that's how we talk through the field. But that is that is the most basic way to bet, in my opinion. It is probably not the best way to bet. Uh, obviously, there are different strategies and your bet sizing and the type of units that you want to play. But outright betting 
in golf is extremely difficult because if you think about it, even in a, a full field event, call it 156 golfers, obviously they all have different actual odds and probabilities to win the golf tournament, but there will only be one winner. You do not get credit if your 250 to one shot finishes second. Yes, it was a great pick. It was a great bet because you saw someone who was valued at 250 to one, probably not expected to do all that much. And they turned it into a second place finish. You would be pretty happy with your process, but you would not be very happy with your results because you would have lost that bet. So betting outrights is incredibly difficult and it's, it's just a low percentage shot of, um, of actually getting it right. Even the shortest odds, even the odds on favorites to win the golf tournament don't win all that much. I generally stay away from the really short odd golfers. Someone like we see Rory McIlroy, six to one, eight to one. Those are usually numbers that I do not bet because you have to compare the implied odds. Okay. So the odds that a golfer is going to uh, win the golf tournament, how often are they going to win it compared to their implied odds that Vegas has assigned to them via their betting odds. So I'll give you an example here. We'll, we'll try to stick with round numbers for this show. If a golfer is nine to one to win the golf tournament, that is Vegas implying that he is going to win one out of every 10 times. They are giving him a 10% chance to win the golf tournament. For you to make a profitable bet to a smart, a smart bet, the golfer that you're betting on needs to win more often than those implied odds are. So Rory McIlroy, if Rory McIlroy, you know, if we played this tournament a thousand times and Rory McIlroy wins it 15% of the time and Vegas is implying him to win it at 10% of the time, that's a good bet. Now, very rarely do these super short guys uh, get to a point where their implied odds are lower than their actual win probability because winning on the PGA tour and winning a golf tournament in general is very, very difficult. And you only get one crack at it. If you gave, if you, if everyone played the same event a thousand times, yes, Rory would probably win more often than not, but you're only doing it once. And he has to win at a rate that is much higher than what Vegas is assigning him. It generally doesn't happen because Vegas, uh, you know, the average implied, uh, or the average real life probability of any golfer, uh, I mean, we could talk about Rory, of Rory winning a golf tournament is probably 8%, maybe. Obviously, it depends on the field. It depends on the tournament, the number of other competitors, who else is there. But you're talking maybe high single digits, if you're lucky. So that means, but you're never going to get Vegas to assign 15 to 1 odds to Rory as the shortest guy in the field because they don't want to get burned on that right? They don't want to get burned when Rory does win and they have to pay it out at 15 to one when they know just as many people are going to invest at eight to one or 10 to one as they would at 15 to one, starting with the shortest odds. So it is a very low percentage play to just bet outrights. Um, I went back and did a little bit of research in terms of how often the actual odds on favorite, the guy who has the shortest odds wins the golf tournament. I had to go back on the PGA tour for a full field event, a full field event. I had to go back to the 2019 players championship when Rory won it at a 12 to one co-favorite with Dustin Johnson. I believe it was 
that was the last time a odds-on favorite, the guy with the shortest odds, won a full field event on the PGA Tour. Now, it's, it's happened other times, still only a handful of times, uh, but Justin Thomas did it at the CJ Cup. I think he was 5-1. to one. Rory did it again at the HSBC uh, WGC Championship. Uh, I think he was 6-1. to one. Dustin Johnson last year's WGC Mexico, I think he was also five or six to one, but those are, those are smaller events. Uh, you know, the field's only 72 ish golfers and, uh, you're guaranteed four rounds. There's no cut. So the cream is going to rise to the top there, uh, more often than not, especially in in those events. So I, I kind of threw those out, but when you're talking about full field events, Rory McIlroy was the last odds on favorite over a year ago at this point to win the event that he was the odds on favorite to win. It just doesn't happen. Uh, a lot more often we get guys that are in the second tier, you know, 25 to one, 40 to one, that, that tier of golfers cashes much more often on outrights than the really, really short guys do. And every so often we're going to get someone in the 150 to one, 200, 250 to one. Um, Nick Taylor recently at Pebble was it Pebble beach. Um, uh, who else? Andrew Landry, right? Did he cash somewhere? Uh, desert classic, which is, uh, early in the, in the, in the calendar year. Um, Keith Mitchell winning at Honda was like 250 to one. I mean, these guys pop up Sung Kang, uh, Corey Connors, Nate Lashley wasn't even available in most books when he won last year because he was a Monday qualifier late. So, um, it does happen more often than not. So really what I'm looking to do is find guys that are going to win more often than the actual implied Vegas odds. And the way that I do that is via, is via modeling, right? I I create a model, uh, because some golfers, let's be real. Their, their ceiling is, is capped. Uh, there's, there's only so well they can play over the course of four days without doing something that we've never seen them do by a mile. You know, if, if Kevin, uh, Kevin, Oz is a bad example. If Daniel Berger, um, if the most strokes he ever gains in a round is three and he needs to gain four per round over four days to do, to win a golf tournament, he's probably not going to win because his ceiling is capped. There are golfers like Kevin Na. Kevin Na is a really good example of this because Kevin Na won like two events in a 15 start stretch for him, uh, going back the last couple of months because he is super volatile. He can finish dead last and lose a ton of strokes to the field. But when he plays well, he goes nuts in the other way. He pops off and can win. So he won uh, Charles Schwab and then he followed it up with a win somewhere else. I can't remember off the top of my head, but it was like 15 starts apart. There are very few guys in the world, not named Brooks Kepka, Rory McIlroy, Justin Thomas, um, that, that can win twice in 15 starts. So it's pretty impressive stuff. So those are the guys that I'm looking for. And the modeling helps with that. The modeling says, is this golfer's ceiling, you know, how often are they they going to get to the ceiling? If they get to the ceiling even 2% of the time and Vegas odds have them to win this golf tournament implied at a half a percent or 1%, that's still a pretty good bet because they're going to get there twice as often as Vegas is implying them to. So keep in mind, even at those rates, even at... Kevin Na example being twice as good as Vegas thinks he is, he's winning the golf tournament like one out of every 50 times. So those, these bets, bets are not cashing all that often. Um, it is definitely a game of 
hey, you're, you're betting uh, uh, over the course of a season, over the course of a year, two, three, four years, and then you're kind of looking at your results and, and how they're going. Uh, you're not taking any one week or any one event and using that as solid data moving forward. It's just not going to be all that helpful. Now, the good news about outright betting is when you compare this to all other sports bets, it, they're about as rare as they come. Being able to get um, odds as long as you can get on some golfers with the turnaround time being so short. Okay, so let me give you an example. I'll stick with that Keith Mitchell winning the Honda Classic last year. I think he was, um, I think he was 250 to one, 200 or 250 to one. Think of another sports bet that is 200 or 250 to one. It is likely a future bet that is being placed on a team to win the championship. Okay, so the, um, I don't know. When the Vegas Golden Knights were in their expansion and they were like 500 to one to win the Stanley Cup before the season started, you could get them at 500 to one. You could get them then as they were playing better, 200 to one, 100 to one. Uh, But you needed to place those bets six, seven months in advance. You needed to have your money tied up. You did not see a return on that for a long time. You're seeing returns on these 200, 250 to one bets in four days, you know, you're betting it Wednesday, you're betting it Thursday. It's cashing. It's, you know, whether you've won or lost on Sunday, you, you are never going to find a bet that is paid out at such long odds in such a short period of time, every single week over the course of the year. It it really is something incredible. Now there is another way to kind of bet these outrights that is a little bit better. And it depends on where you're located. Um, some books in the United States, if not all books, they, they don't offer this. Some, some of the, um, you know, if you're, if you're based, uh, overseas somewhere internationally, you might have access to this. I believe Canada has it. Um, and it's the each way bet. The each way bet is basically you place uh, one bet on a golfer to win. And you also take the each way, which means that if I bet $10, Five of it is going to a golfer to win and five is going to um, the golfer to usually place in the top five. So that way, if the golfer does actually win, you cash both of those bets at shorter odds, of course. But uh, if the golfer finishes second, in that example, a, a 250 to one shot who finishes second, if you just bet that outright, you lose everything. You've made no money. If you bet it with an each way, you cash the each way and you lose the outright to win, which is fine. And, and I know that a lot of, um, a lot of people do this themselves, right? You don't need a book to offer this explicitly to do it. I, I know a lot and I do this myself sometimes is if I'm going to bet a long shot to win, I will generally put a, a percentage of that bet on top five, top 10, even top 20, depending on how deep that long shot is, because if they do win, you cash all of the bets. Uh, but if they, if they finish, I don't know, T seven, you would cash the top 10 and the top 20 bet. So it's just a way that you can, uh, diversify a little bit, give yourself a little bit of a safety net, uh, improve your odds of cashing something. You might not get the full payout, uh, for either one of your bets because you're getting them at shorter odds, being able to do it this way. Uh, but it does allow you to kind of root for those really long guys, uh, to finish second, like second would be great. And then generally, um, depending on, on, on the, the book that you're using, uh, these are 
these can be paid out at dead heat rules, meaning that if, you know, if five guys tie for top five, um, you know, they're cutting their odds by, by 20%, uh, for each of them. And, or, uh, some books will, will pay out in full. So if you have four guys tied for fifth and you have a, a top five each way, you would get paid out on the full thing. So obviously know what rules you're dealing with, what the policies and procedures are and regulations in your area for these bets. Um, and then each ways are even more, uh, like if you go over to England or Ireland or somewhere else where, uh, especially golf betting is much more prevalent where you can walk into a pub and place a bet. The, some events, uh, usually majors, things where they're trying to get more action that each way, the top five can go from a top five to a top six or a top eight, something like that. So it does change each week, depending on the field and the book and promotions and stuff like that. But it is a really cool thing, uh, to keep in mind. And also if you don't have access to an each way, you can do this yourself with, uh, top five, top 10, top 20 numbers as well. Um, those top five, top 20, top 10, that those are much more exploitable to me. You know, the, the longer shot guys, you know, we've already cashed multiple, like Joel Damon bets this year. Uh, you know, Joel Damon, who, has not won a golf tournament. I don't think on the PGA tour ever, uh, but already has like three or f- three top five finishes this year. And I think we were on two of them. Uh, and usually you get fairly good odds. I think one of them was 14 to one. I think another was 18 to one. That would be the same odds as someone from the second tier winning the golf tournament, right? That would be like, I don't know, like Ricky Fowler at 18 to one winning the golf tournament or Joel Damon, 18 to one to finish top five and the ties pay out in full. Uh, so like nine guys could, could actually fit the mold of that. Like that is a much more, um, appealing bet in my eyes. So I, I, especially the longer they go, the longer odds you get, you know, the, some of the corn fairy guys that nobody knows of being able to bet them top 20, even at like five to one, six to one is generally a very profitable venture to get into. Okay, we're going to pause right there and we're going to take a break. But on the other side, um, I want to talk, I mean, we've got a lot to talk about. First round leaders, three balls, head to heads. I have I have bets that I think are currently the most exploitable thing going on in golf sports, sports books and, and golf betting as of right now. And we're going to get to that. But first, we're going to take a quick break and I'll be back right after these words. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Have you written a book and need some insight into what comes next? Or are you passionate about cooking and want to know how to make it your career? Or maybe you just want to hear insider stories about the entertainment industry. Either way, we've got you covered with the Two Guys from Hollywood podcast. I'm Alan Nevins, a literary agent and talent manager. And I'm Joey Santos, a columnist and celebrity chef. And on our podcast, Two Guys from Hollywood, we bring our expertise to the table with, of course, delicious cocktails and all kinds of recipes for you to try at home. 
So grab a drink and join us. We've got a wide range of celebrity guests and Hollywood insiders to discuss pop culture, publishing, and entertainment. And we'll provide you with an unfiltered and sometimes brutally honest show about Hollywood. As we like to say, we don't dish, we serve. Listen and follow Two Guys from Hollywood on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. We'll talk at you soon. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. And this week, we're talking through all of the golf betting options and strategies associated with such options. At the top of the show, we talked through outright betting and we touched on what an each way is, and then also top five, top 10, and top 20 markets. But what I wanna do here is pause for a second and really have you consider why you're betting on golf. Is it for entertainment? Are you trying to just be profitable? Are you trying to make more money? Uh, I think that will determine the types of bets that you make and further strategies that you want to take on. If you're just looking for entertainment on a Sunday and you just want a couple of sweats, betting outrights might be for you because when you hit one, you might hit one big at 40, 50, 60 to one. That might be for you and you don't mind spending whatever you're uh, able to afford to lose every single week and, and, and that's the way you want to go about this. If you're looking to find bigger edges. If you're looking to keep track of your ROI over the course of a season or two or five, finding different betting options that might be more suitable, might be more exploitable is probably something that you're more interested in. It of course will take more work, more research, uh, paying attention to the golfers, following everything very closely. If that's not for you and you just want to get bet outrights, I understand it, but I want to at least provide a few other options uh, as we talk through the rest of these bets here. So um, let's go to, let's go to day one. Let's go to Thursday, first round leader bets. These are becoming increasingly more popular in the golf betting world. And for good reason. Uh, the reason being that they are only one day, Thursday, the first round of the tournament, you can get very long odds on guys to be the first round leader. You get longer odds and generally speaking, you get a lot of different names that can win these types of bets because we talked about it. Golf is very volatile. The shorter the, the less, the least amount of holes you play, the more volatile it gets. There are situations where I could play Rory McIlroy in one hole and beat him a percentage of the time. That number is very, very low, but I will beat him in one hole because he hits it into the water three times. Uh, you know, one out of every 10,000, whatever it is, uh, where I would win. Now, if I play Rory McIlroy over the course of 10,000 holes, I will never win ever, right? He's always going to beat me over more and more holes, more and more tournaments. And it's the same thing on the PGA tour. Obviously these guys are much better. They're closer to each other in skill, but someone who is a long shot to win the golf tournament, 200 to one, 100 to one might have the same odds to be the first round leader. And you're only asking them to be the best for one day. Andrew Landry was a really good example of this. Um, was it Andrew Landry? Yeah, it was Andrew Landry who for a long time last season, could not put four rounds together. He would be, he would have the best round of the day once or twice, what seems like every single tournament. 
The problem is his other two or three rounds were always some of the worst rounds. So he had the ability to pop off and be a first round leader, for example, because he could have the lowest score of a single day. And the odds or the, the results of first round leaders really bear this out. So I, I pulled, uh, I obviously have all of the data in my database here for first round leaders, and I pulled a couple of different subsets. So if you go back the last five years, the last five years in total, Dustin Johnson has the best first round leader rate. He is the first round leader in events that he plays 9% of the time. So it's only 9% of the time. That's the highest rate of any single golfer over the last five years to be the first round leader. To put that into context, Tiger is second at about 7%. Jordan Spieth is third at a little under 7%, 6.9. And then you go down just a few more spots and you see names like Andrew Loop. Andrew is a 6% first round leader rate. That's higher than Justin Thomas's first round leader rate. Sepp Straka, 5.2%, is higher than Rory McIlroy's 4.9%. So you start to get some really unique names, guys that are not winning golf tournaments, but they are cashing first round leader bets at a higher rate than Rory McIlroy, Dustin Johnson, Justin Thomas in some cases. Um, It's really incredible stuff. Then you go just even more recently, the start of, since the start of 2019, Joel Damon, who I mentioned earlier, who has been a top five, top 10 machine and Keegan Bradley have each been the first round leader three separate times. That's tied for the most on tour. It's also tied with Brooks, Rory, and Justin Thomas. Those are the five guys that have been the first round leader three times. Nobody has done it more than three times. So you're seeing how a lot of different names can pop up here. And Joel Damon, Keegan Bradley, they might be 80 to 1, 100 to 1, 120 to 1 to be your first round leader. And then they can just kind of go away. They can go away on Friday. They can go away on Saturday, Sunday. It doesn't matter. Uh, Your bet is over with them. A lot of first round leaders um, can depend on weather and course conditions. So if there is significant weather in the area or adverse weather in the area or winds are going to kick up say in the afternoon the entire early morning wave might benefit and might play you know a shot on average lower so generally speaking the first round leader might come out of the wave that is getting better course conditions a lot of times it is the early morning wave uh mostly in the early morning the, the ground is generally softer uh it is a little easier to hold greens Um, you can throw darts. You don't have to play for so much release. Uh, but a lot of courses, the late, the later you get in the day, the the wind starts kicking up, the course starts drying out because the sun has been beating on it. Uh, the greens are rough because, you know, 140 golfers have kind of trampled over them over the course of the day. Uh, scoring conditions are usually a lot better in the morning. And we see a majority of first round leaders come out of that morning wave. So definitely keep that in mind as you are betting first round leaders. And there's really two types of first round leaders. There's the really long shots, which is generally what I do. I like to take kind of a scatter shot approach for uh, guys that are 80 to one or longer. And you hit it a couple times a year and you're, you're good. Uh, Throw a couple bucks on each one. You hit it a couple times a year and you've, you've made money in first round leader bets. But what I think the most overlooked part of first round leader bets is actually betting some of the favorites here. So they are going to still be the first round leader more often than not, and more often than a lot of their peers. 
but there is a, a tier of golfers. So say Rory McIlroy is, uh, I don't know, eight to one to win the golf tournament. He might be 16 to one to be your first round leader. And again, the books have, have cooked in the fact that it's only one round and anything can happen. But if he does it, you're getting paid out at a twice as good of a rate as if he was going to win the golf tournament, which is obviously very appealing. So you can get some of the top tier, second tier guys at 25, 30, 35 to one to be your first round leader, something that they're going to do fairly often. Uh, and you're getting better odds on them to do that than to go out and actually win the golf tournament where there's, a, in my opinion, a lot less value in going to win the golf tournament on these outright odd numbers. Finally, as with anything, know the rules of your book, right? Uh, how do ties get handled? How do first round leader ties get handled? If your book pays out full for ties, that's great. That's awesome. If three guys tie for first um, and you get paid out on the full number, that's awesome. But generally speaking, it's, it's dead heat rules. So if you have a guy who is a hundred to one and there are two golfers that are tied for first, they usually cut both odds in half because two golfers. Uh, so you take a hundred divided by two and it pays out at 50 to one is generally how most books deal with it. Still usually plenty of action because I'm betting 80, 100, 150 to one guys to accomplish this feat. Uh, not necessarily the always the 22 to one guys to, to do this, but first round leader becoming much and much more popular. And especially as we get more into live betting and what that looks like for the future with technology and with the PGA tour, embracing fantasy and embracing sports betting a bit more, the smaller sets, the, the smaller, uh, you know, instead of betting an entire tournament, betting one round, uh, then betting one hole, then betting one shot, the, the, the smaller outcomes, the shorter outcomes are going to become more and more popular. So it's no surprise that first round leader bets are already as popular as they are. Three balls and head to head bets. Um, these are similar, but still different. So let's start with three balls here. If you hear someone say, you know, I'm betting a three ball, uh, that is generally three guys who are almost always in the same group. So if your, you know, Thursday morning tea time and group is Colin Morikawa, Matthew Wolf, Victor Hovland, you could get a three ball uh, with odds for each of them to win uh, against each other. Now, these are obviously treated a little bit differently, uh, but the, the fact that they're three balls, they're playing in the same flight, uh, they're playing, excuse me, playing in the same wave. They're playing at the same time. They're in the same group. You you're not worrying about, uh, different tee times, different course conditions. They're all standing right next to each other when they hit. Um, also you can bet a three ball for a single round or for the entire tournament. Uh, and then as the tournament goes on and we get to Saturday and Sunday, if the golfers are still in threesomes, you can get three balls. Or if they go to head-to-head -head matchups, uh, or if they go to if they go to twosomes, excuse me, if they go to pairs on the weekend, you generally get head-to-head -head matchups in this situation. And uh, usually, guys that are are either playing against, playing with each other, or are at the same score. So, head-to-heads. Um, Tournament head-to-heads are fine. I think there's definitely some exploitable tournament tournament head-to-head -head bets, but head-to-heads for a single round, once the event has started, so I'm talking about second round, third round, and fourth round, 
in my opinion, are the most exploitable aspect of golf betting right now. This is where the most money is to be made. Books are okay at pricing head-to-heads, especially once the tournament starts. But really, what they do is they just find two guys that have a, a similar score, a, a, a you know, the two guys that are both three under, and they assign them relatively similar odds against one another. If they're big name players, you know, if it's Rory versus Kevin Na, Rory's obviously going to be a big favorite. But generally speaking, these aren't super drastic. The fact that they're only using really score to determine which two golfers should be pitted against one another in a head-to-head is well behind what a lot of the data scientists and a lot of the modelers in the industry are doing. Uh, Because there's a lot of different ways that someone can shoot three under par. Someone can shoot three under par by spraying their driver all over the place, hitting their their approach shot uh, right of the green, and then chipping in for birdie. And they could do that a couple of times or holing out uh, from the fairway for eagle, something like that. Something that is not necessarily a repeatable action. And they could have the same score of someone who is firing darts all day long, hitting every approach to eight feet and every, you know, has, has 12 birdie putts and only makes three of them or only makes four of them. The second golfer that I described is in theory and statistically playing much, much better than the golfer who is getting bailed out by a, uh, a crazy shot that, that improves their score, a, a ridiculously hot short game or a ridiculously hot putter. So generally, uh, what I do for in round golf is I, I like to let, you know, one round be played. And I find golfers that are playing well tee to green. That means they're hitting their, their driver well. They're hitting their approaches well. Uh, even around the green, I'd, I'd prefer to stay away from around the green. But like, you know, tee shots and approach with the strokes gain numbers who are putting poorly. You know, maybe they lost two strokes putting, but they're generally a guy who gains a stroke per round. That's a three shot difference that can come back to a golfer just if they get back to their averages. And I'd like to find those golfers and back them against the opposite, against guys that are gaining all of their strokes with their putter or with their short game. The vast majority of all of our statistics bear out that the stickiest stats are off the tee and approaches. Those are the ones that if you are good with your driver, if you're good on your approaches, you are generally going to be good round after round after round with them. The putter and the short game, the the around the green game, are much more volatile, meaning that uh, the best putter in the world is going to have a great putting day, followed by a pretty bad day, followed by a good day, followed by an okay day. It's just all over the place. No one's ever going to be the best putter in the world, rarely, all four days of the tournament. So someone that gains, for example, three strokes putting in one round, it is very unlikely that that golfer can back that up with a similar performance in the next round. So those are the guys that I'm targeting against. And I will tell you, this has been extremely successful and extremely profitable because the books are only pairing people that are basically at the same score. This is by far the most exploitable aspect. And all you have to do is do a little research, a little live uh, look at the statistics that are going on in the tournament, find two guys that are doing it in two different ways and back the guy who is playing well from tee to green 
and put, putting poorly versus the guy who is playing poorly tee to green and putting excellent. They are all over the place. You will find them. And this is the most exploitable aspect. Head to heads. Um, I've done a lot of modeling work with, with head to heads for the entire tournament, a four round tournament. This is something that, um, Joe Pita has worked on. This is something that the guys over at data golf have worked on in modeling. This is something that I've taken my turn in, in modeling and using strokes gained numbers. Uh, you can say, you know, over four rounds, golfer a is going to beat golfer B 65% of the time, which in head to heads over four rounds is a pretty big number, 65%. So you look at it and say, okay, um, this guy's going to win 65% of the time, but he is in a, you know, he's, he's minus 115 versus minus 115. It's a, it's a, a coin toss. Uh, I want the guy who's 65% to win. Cause he should be closer to what minus 200, something like that. So when you compare that four round modeling versus what the Vegas again, implied odds are, which is what we talked about with outrights. This is where there is another exploitable aspect, but four rounds is a little bit more difficult to pr- predict than, um, just trying to exploit one quick round, right? Just one quick round after, uh, after someone has a hot putter or something like that is, is something that we can usually take advantage of, but four round head to heads are also very good for the golf world right now. Okay. On the other side, I want to talk a little bit about uh, bankroll management, how we do betting amounts and maybe get into some of our office pools or one and done pools. Dailyroto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Hey everyone, it's Michelle Williams, and I love being able to share my story with you on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, where my guests and I get real as we share the ups and downs of our mental health journeys, and I'd love for you to join me. I'm still on my own journey, but I want to be transparent with you, because as I was posting all the highlights of my life on social media, I was breaking down. And too many people fall victim to the picture-perfect image of the high life. So I created a space to discuss the good and the bad. We can laugh, man. We, we going to learn. And most of all, I hope to inspire you to go on this journey with me to better mental health. This is going to be your church, your turn up, and everything in between. So join me on my podcast, Checking In with Michelle Williams, a safe space for every kind of person. Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Golf Betting On Demand. I'm Rick Gaiman, and we are doing a deep dive into betting strategy, betting options, and of course, the strategy for those options that are available as the industry continues to get more mainstream, as more states begin to regulate and legalize gambling as the PGA tour continues to embrace fantasy and betting. Our options will only increase. I kind of mentioned, you know, the live score, the, the live betting options in the last segment, um, potentially betting on whether a golfer is going to make a specific score on a hole, who's going to win a specific hole, who knows it might be, will he hit the fairway on this drive? I, I think once we get into like that live data model, the possibilities are 
really endless, but I wanted to go through the most popular ones right now and what I think are the most exploitable ones right now. So just to get you caught up to speed just a little bit, we touched on outright betting at the top, which is incredibly difficult to handicap, uh, not only with the odds that are being offered by Vegas, not necessarily aligning with golfers, real true win probabilities over the course of an event, but also the fact that the event is only played once and you have to be right that one time. It's not like the event is being played a hundred times, 10 times, or even five times. It's being played once and you only get one crack at it. The next thing we talked through was, was top five, top 10, top 20 betting, which is a little bit more profitable, especially depending on the book that you use. And if they are paying out full for ties, which I think generally for the most part is pretty common. Um, so that, that's kind of the next level out to be able to get some long shots. We talked through first round leaders, which is becoming incredibly, incredibly more popular uh, and even more volatile than a four round event. And then we talked through three ball and head to head matchups. Now for me, the round by round, single round head to head matchups are the most exploitable, the most, uh, the, the best opportunity for you to actually make money when it comes to golf betting. But I want to dive deeper into what it means to make money golf betting. And I, I mentioned it earlier. You have to determine what your goals are. If your goal is to have a few bucks on a golfer or a few golfers and sweat something out on Sunday that is much different than doing a lot of research every night after the round is over, finding the golfers that are targets uh, to either play or targets to play against, targets to fade in head-to-head, round-by-round matchups. That takes a lot more commitment. Uh, that are, those are generally the betters that are trying to turn an ROI, trying to turn a profit. If this is entertainment for you, you don't necessarily need to take that approach and, and that's okay by all means. It's, it's entirely up to you, but, um, your bankroll management, your overall betting amounts and strategy are going to change based on what your goals actually are. So first of all, bankroll management alone, uh, needless to say, you should only be betting what you can afford to lose. Like that is obvious, right? Um, you shouldn't be doing anything crazy, taking out a home equity line of credit to, uh, to make it an outright bet on Rory at the masters or anything like that. Uh, but betting amounts, and this is something I've, I've talked about this briefly on a few episodes in the past, but it is still the number one question that I get. The number one comment that I get, people tweet at me all the time. How much should I be betting or how much are you betting on these? And they're similar, but different, uh, questions and different answers. So to me, there are two different ways to figure out your bet amount and how much exposure you should have. The exposure being how many different golfers are you betting? How much money do you have allocated total to those golfers? That is your exposure on a week. If you hear someone say they're overexposed, that might mean that they have more bets out there than they would on a normal week. If they're underexposed, the opposite. Some of the... um, you know, like WGC events or smaller field, like Hero World Challenge, a lot of guys will opt to be underexposed. They say, you know what, only 18 players in the field, not a lot of value to be had. I'm just, I'm, I'm going to play 30% of what I would normally play, something like that. So there's, there's two approaches. The first approach, um, and I don't know if there's a real name for this, I tend to call it uh, the scatter shot approach. 
which means you are, are generally a casual recreational better who really only cares about having fun, having a little entertainment, and hopefully having a sweat on Sunday. So the scattershot approach usually is betting only outrights to win the golf tournament, but betting a lot of different golfers. And they could be golfers at the top of the betting board, the middle, five long shots. You could have 10, 12 bets out over the course of a single tournament. Generally speaking, this strategy uh, and how many golfers that you are exposed to and how many golfers that you're betting is usually dictated by the shortest bet that you make. So for example, if Rory McIlroy is 12 to one, and that is the shortest bet that you make, that's the one, the one guy who's got the shortest odds, you would then bet basically 11 or 12 other golfers. If Rory's odds were 16 to one, and that's your shortest golfer, you would bet 15 or 16 other golfers. And you would bet the same amount on every single player. So I, I'm going to use 100 as a, as a, uh, a unit here. I don't imagine a lot of you are betting a hundred dollars on outrights, uh, on 15 or 16 guys. And maybe you shouldn't be, uh, but this is just for round numbers. Here's how this works. So if you bet a hundred dollars on Rory at 12 to one and Rory wins, you're getting obviously $1,200 in return, right? We'll just do round numbers here. If you then bet 11 others and risk a hundred on all of them, well, if Rory wins, the other 11 lose $100 each, you you win 12, lose 11, you win 100 for the week, okay? Now, if your other golfers are 18 to 1, 25 to 1, 50 to 1, 100 to 1, if any of your other golfers win, you will win more. So like basically what I'm saying is if you if any of your golfers hit, you will win money right? Whether it's a hundred dollars or $5,000, right? Depending on what the odds are. But then, um, if any of your longer shot guys win, you will win more, right? So if you're 100 to one guy wins and you get 10,000 and you lose 1100 on the other 11 guys, you've made $8,900, right? That's, that's the thought process here. Not saying it's a good one, but this is one that I see used and, and usually it's, it's 10 bucks, right? Or it's, it's 20 bucks, whatever it is across a bunch of guys. Um, what it allows you to do is root for all of them. If any of them win, you are going to be breaking even or making money on the week. Uh, then you can root for the longer shots, of course, and it gives you a large percentage of the field. So if you're betting, I mean, I've seen, I've seen people bet 14, 15, 16 guys in this way. I, I've seen more, I've seen 25 guys bet this way, uh, where, you know, now you have 10% or 20% of the field, uh, that you're rooting for. Now the cons of this are as described earlier in the show, winning an outright bet is so incredibly difficult. When you do it, you want to, in my opinion, get maximum return. Well, if you hit a 12 to one bet on Rory and have 11 other guys bet at the same amount, you're winning a hundred dollars. You're winning like one unit, right? I mean, th you, that, that is not getting maximum return on a golfer when they go out and actually win. Um, but if that is not what you care about, if you don't care about maximum return and you just want to sometimes lose all of your money, sometimes win a little bit, sometimes win a lot, this might be for you. 
Uh, especially, I, I do I do like this approach for new golf bettors who are not necessarily into the nuances of following every single round, and they want to put five bucks on even twenty guys. That's a you know hundred bucks for the week. Uh, this gives you a lot of different sweats and a lot of different things to be excited about. Even if half of them miss the cut, you've still got you know a bunch of bullets going into the weekend. So I don't I don't dislike this approach. I just do not subscribe to it. I do it a little bit differently. Uh, And the way that I do it is kind of, uh, I guess the way to describe it is kind of goal-based. I determine the amount that I'm willing to bet each week, right? The amount that I'm willing and and can afford to lose. And I identify a a target win amount. Um, You know, when, when I win a bet, an outright bet, for example, maybe I want to win $1,000. Well, knowing the amount that I, I can bet each week, and knowing that my target is ten is $1,000, that tells me how much to bet on each golfer. So for example, let's say I, um, I, I'm willing to spend $100. I'm willing to bet $100 each week, and I want to return $1,000 when I win. If Rory McIlroy is 10 to 1, and I need to win $1,000 when he wins, I need to bet all of my $100 for the week on him. That's it. I, I'm out of money. I've made one bet because it's Rory. So this is generally why I stay away from the shorter odds guys, because in my system, in my strategy, I need to bet a lot more on those golfers. And the fact that we've already seen not many of the odds on favorites are actually winning the golf tournament. It is a tough pill to swallow to have to lay a lot of money of your weekly bets on a five to one, six to one, eight to one guy. It is a very tough pill to swallow. I generally don't do it. But if your guy is 50 to one and now um, I need to win, what, $1,000 when he wins, I only need to bet 20 on him. So now I still have $80 remaining. So now I can bet, I could bet five guys at 50 to one, or I could bet some guys at 50 to one, some guys at hundred to one. I only need to put $10 on the guys at 100 to one. Uh, and I still have money in my, you know, reserves that I can, that I can continue to bet. So that's why you'll hear me say on this show, well, I, I bet someone at 12 to one, so I, I can't bet anybody else at 16 or 18 because the math doesn't add up for me. I need to jump down to maybe the 30s and 40s for my second bet, and then I need to go to the 100s. So usually it ends up being a card of maybe three to five guys, depending on where I start my card or my betting slip, that ends up being on my betting card for that week. So it's really dictated by those two numbers, my target win amount and the amount that I'm willing to bet each week. And I can adjust that, right? So maybe my my target win amount is 500. Well, now that gives me a little bit more flexibility. Now I can bet, you know, Rory at 10 to one, I can bet $50 on him and I still have $50 to, uh, to play with, right? To make other decisions with. So it's really, you'll learn and kind of get comfortable with what your numbers are. I generally like to get three or five guys so that when I win and when I hit an outright, it is paying out uh, in a big way. So that's that's generally how I do it. There's two strategies there. Find the one that is right for you. And before we wrap up for the day here, I did want to make sure I covered um, a little bit about pools. Uh, so these you know one and done pools, they are popping up all over the place. They are getting large. I know office pools have one and done pools. Uh, so I wanted to make sure to kind of just talk about them really, really quickly and, and try to give you a little bit of an edge here. Uh, if you're not familiar with a one and done pool, uh, first of all, know the rules, 
That is the number one statement I could ever make about anything. Know the rules, know what the payouts are, know what you are and are not allowed to do. But generally speaking in a one and done pool, you can choose, you have to choose a golfer each week, each and every tournament. And every, when you use that golfer, you can no longer use him again. So if I use Rory McIlroy in the first event of the season, I cannot use him for the rest of the year. I receive, uh, the amount of usually money that he wins. So if Rory wins the golf tournament for $1.2 million, I get 1.2 million points, for example. Sometimes it's tied to the FedEx Cup points. Sometimes it's tied to some other metric, but it's usually however they perform in the tournament, whatever metric we're using, you get points associated with that. So you want to pick guys that are going to do well, obviously, but you want to pick them at the right tournaments. The larger the pool that you are in, and some of these one and done pools are thousands of people, uh, and to win them, you need to be very, very good. Uh, But generally speaking, the larger the pool, the more different you need to be. This is going full circle with the conversation around golf is very, very volatile. Um, Rory could miss a cut, and if, if half the pool has Rory in a single week, and you guys all get $0, like you did not make up any ground on the field and you burned through Rory. Uh, If you pick someone who's going to be like the fifth or sixth most popular golfer and they have a good week, you're in a much better situation. So you generally don't want to be on the popular pick every single week. Now there are little ways to differentiate. You know, you could burn Rory in the first week of the year and be the only guy who uses him. That's maybe not the best strategy. You don't need to be that unique. But Usually, everyone saves the studs for the majors. Uh, you know, using Rory at the Masters, using Rory at the Open Championship, he's going to be the most popular person there. Uh, using Brooks at the PGA Championship or at the US Open, going to be very popular there. You can be a little bit different by using Rory, for example, at a WGC event, a, a field that is only 60 people. Uh, he's just as likely to win. The the prize pools are, are, the purses are just as large, if not larger than some of these events. Um, that would be a slight way to differentiate. Or don't use Brooks at the US Open and PGA Championship where everybody's going to use him. Use him at the British Open. Or like, you know, there's these natural fits for golfers in certain places. Everyone is going to use Hideki Matsuyama at the Waste Management. Use him the next week or two weeks later. Use him somewhere else. There are little situations five or six times a year in which you just can be a little bit different and, uh, and make up ground on the field or, or differentiate yourself from the field. And then also know your rules. Some of these, you know, pay out, um, different segments, the first third of the year, the second third of the year, the third third of the year. If you are in line to get a payout in segment one, you might want to use a lot of your good golfers at the end of segment one to ensure that you still get a payout on that, as opposed to trying to wait uh, and save them for something in segment two or segment three. So just, again, know your rules that goes on. That goes with, uh, your book, knowing how they pay out. It goes with your, your pools, your office pools, your major pools, whatever else you guys have going on. Uh, know your rules. That's, that's the final thing. And then really, I still think we are in the infancy of, of golf betting. Uh, the, the tour is taking it more seriously. They're embracing betting. They're embracing fantasy sports as more States, legalize and regulate this. The options are going to be plentiful, which is very exciting. So encourage you to do your homework now, 
get your reps in, even if you're just betting a couple bucks out there, keep track of everything so that when this is really going full board, you will be ready. I'm Rick Gaiman. You can find me on Twitter at Rick Run Good. This has been another episode of Golf Betting On Demand, and I'll see you next time. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Build digital-first customer relationships with Salesforce Digital 360. Connect every marketing, commerce, and digital experience on a single platform. Innovate fast with easy-to-launch sites, campaigns, and apps. That's more relationships, more revenue, more return, and more success. Salesforce Digital 360. Hear from our customers at sfdc.co slash digital 360.